When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Car Stuff. I'm Scott Benjamin. And I'm Ben Bolin. And we are back with part two of our 2014 car trends or automotive trends or whatever you want to call it, I guess. I yeah. Mean, it's, uh, but we got kind of wrapped up in what we were talking about early on, mm-hmm. you know, with uh, with some of the trends that the, uh, the the industry experts, I guess, were saying, you know, would be something to watch for in 2014, maybe even early into 2015. Sure. And uh, we wanted to get into some of the things that, that we thought about the, this whole topic as well. So um, we'll get to that at the, at the end of this podcast. How about that? Yeah. Let's just jump in where we left off. Let's do that. What's what's next? On that? Uh, another quick one. Yeah. Uh, we don't need to talk too much about this, but wearable wearable tech that interfaces with cars, and it's mostly watches. Um, yeah, so, that's happening. So you get feedback uh, mm-hmm. on your watch about what's happening in the car. Now, I mean, it's not so much that, you know, it's it's giving your pulse rate and stuff. Like, um, I think we've talked about a Nissan watch that would do that. Right, yeah. That would uh, give driver feedback, almost like you would in a sports car competition, like, a, you know, an endurance race or something. Yeah, it's like biofeedback for racers. Yeah, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about, like, the Mercedes-Benz um, vehicle that, you know, gives you basic car information on your on your watch. So it gives you traffic, alert, traffic alerts, accident information, um, it runs with something called the Drive Style app, and then there's also a BMW version, uh, which is I think it's a Samsung Galaxy uh, smartwatch. It's called the Samsung Galaxy Gear smartwatch, and it runs on something called the iRemote app, and it's for the upcoming BMW i3. So you know that little squatty vehicle that we yeah, talked yeah. about, the electric vehicle. My uh, my least favorite of that episode. Yeah, it will be your BMW Nemesis vehicle, right? So um, <laughs> the battery status, uh, the range remaining information, even door and window status, which is, seems kind of silly to me. It'll tell you if the doors or windows are open mm. or, or closed. Uh, climate controls can be controlled through your watch. Um, also navigation and voice commands, which is kind of cool. I like that one. Well, look, okay. I never said the i3 was dumb. I'm sure it has a great personality. Mm-hmm. I just said it was ugly. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I'm sorry. I digress. Yeah, that's okay. That's okay. Let's uh, how about super quick, and then I want to get to our opinions. Oh, me too. All right, so let's, let's go through these fast. So from, right. from the Car Talk blog, Ben of all places, you know, which uh, we we like Car Talk. We're big fans. This is from the blog, not not from the two brothers themselves, not from Tom and Ray, but from another contributor. His name is Jim uh, Motivelli. Motivelli, mm. maybe Motivelli. 
Um, I'll just list them real quick here. But one, less urban driving. I think people have been predicting that a long time. Yeah. Number two is that China will become an even bigger market. So, you know, even though right now they've got something like 524 models that are sold by 96 different brands, which is huge. Wow. That's a huge market. Yeah. I guess GM uh, and VW are, are big sellers in these right now. And Tesla is starting to move in as well. Uh, these are going to, China's going to be an even bigger market coming up in 2014. Mm-hmm. So watch for that. Fuel economy, as we mentioned many, many times. Uh, self-driving cars, which we haven't really mentioned, but kind of hinted at it a little bit. And then also, uh, fuel cells again. Fuel cells are another thing that they're mentioning, and they mentioned the 2015 date. So, mm-hmm. uh, the last thing that I want to cover as far as an article. Okay. Is, um, and this kind of trend, you know, leads into trends that we want to talk about is, uh, some automotive trends that are, are on the demise in 2014, according to, Someone from Yahoo Autos, a guy named George Kennedy, and this is what kind of led me to my alternative list as well. Ah, okay. And uh, I'll I'll just quickly list these. I think I read this one. Let's see. Now these are a few good ones, Mm -hmm. but um, CD players. Yep. CD CD players players. are going away. MP3 players are taking their place, and you know we've we've said this. So the demise of these things is is definitely on its way. And uh, yeah, there's. Just physical media in general may be on its way out. I think so, too. And, and we've seen it with 8-tracks. We saw it with cassettes. Yep. Now we're going to see it with CDs. It's just one of these things that, that progresses along. And you may have th- you might have thought, well, CDs are never going away because, you know, this is the, the way to keep music. It's so compact. It's so easy. Um, this is this is going to happen. But MP3 nope. players are, are the way to go now. People just like to store and carry their music with them wherever they go. Mm-hmm. And not have to deal with the disc or the books. This goes to the second thing on this list is what I was foreshadowing with our black box mm-hmm. note. Uh, the second thing, cars that you can work on yourself, which bothers me because I think a lot of newer models, especially with newer technology, are difficult to um, are difficult to self-maintain. Like, Scott, for a lot of hybrid vehicles, it breaks the warranty if you mess with the motor. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a tricky situation uh, when you're talking about some of the high-tech stuff that goes into new vehicles. Uh, getting into them as far as like even danger is involved, you know, with some of the, the, uh, the high voltages that are involved with, with some of the hybrid vehicles and the electric vehicles, of course, you don't want to mess around with that stuff. You don't want to open a box that says, you know, danger, high voltage, do not open. Um, you know, you don't know all the service procedures if, if you don't know all the service procedures. Right. But also, is it how much of it is safety and how much of it is an opportunistic move to lock people into paying for a service rather than a product? That happens as well. I, under, I understand all that. Now, I'm going to say that being able to work on a car yourself has really been, I mean, other than being able to physically replace mechanical components, you know, there's very few of those that really you can do yourself even still. Most of the stuff that we talk about is electronics, you know, and, and electronics right. are very, very difficult. When you're talking about replacing modules, control modules, sure, uh, that's almost nearly impossible. A lot of times you can't even move the vehicle. You know, you need to have it towed to somewhere to have it to have it repaired. And you can run into some legality issues. Exactly. Really. And then there's also the, the flashing procedure that you have to do, reflashing procedure yeah. for all the modules, and they have to communicate with each other. And it just becomes uh, nearly impossible. I'm going to say that for a long, long time. I think the author... It's funny, the, the author of this, so they, they point to, mm. I opened up the hood and I saw just a big piece of plastic oh, underneath. On the cobalt? Yeah, that's <laughs> not, that's not really such a big barrier to me, really. I mean, no, you take you, the piece of plastic off and you work what's under, you yeah, work on what's underneath it. Move the cladding. Yeah, that's, that's, that's it. But I took it a different direction in saying, you know, like the electronic versus the mechanical. I right. Think. And I, and I do see a trend that and way. And speaking of electronic. Mm-hmm. The next one is uh, cars that mind their own business. I love the title there. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty funny. I mean, I guess that, you know, cars that 
you know, warn you when you're too close to the car in front of you or if you're going to change lanes and there's a vehicle over there. Right. And um, some people just don't like to have all that additional technology installed, I suppose. But um, other people say that's the way we're going, that, you know, it's almost becoming like um, – Sort of a self-driving vehicle. We're getting, we're getting more towards that. We're getting, we're getting to like the 60% self-driven and 40% is being done by the driver. Well, we're in the awkward adolescence at the very least when cars are kind of becoming nannies. Yeah, I think that's maybe a better way um, to say it. And I, I hope that that is a transition point. And, and when I say 60-40, I mean like, okay, well, I used to have to parallel park myself, but now, you know, I can push a button, let go of the steering wheel and, mm. and just kind of watch it happen. And that's, that's a big deal. Also, when you're going to turn, you know, turn into the uh, the lane next to you, and you you hit the signal, and it warns you that maybe you don't want to do that. There's a vibration in the seat, or you know, mm-hmm. an alarm goes off, or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's something that wasn't there before. I mean, it's good; it saves you. You know, it saves you in a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. But some people just don't want that kind of control in their vehicle. Uh, you saw Space Odyssey 2001, right? I did. I just have this weird thing, man, and I have this vision that one day I'm going to be hopping into a car built after 2017, I'm going to try to do something and it's going to be like, I'm sorry, Dave, I can't let you do that. Um, <laughs> It'd be weird Hambridge. because it called you Dave. I know, right? Yes, this car strange. is like bad with names. What's wrong with your name? You're manual car, handbrakes. Right? What's what's going on there? Uh, manual handbrakes. Now there's a, a shift or a, a move towards electric emergency brakes. Now, this is kind like of strange. It. You don't like it? I don't like, like it. Why is that? Because um, I... Because I think it's easier for something to electronically malfunction than it is for it to mechanically malfunction. Okay, so you're saying you're worried about your driving and suddenly the e-brake goes on. Because I mean, it will still be called the e-brake. Right. Electronic <laughs> instead of emergency, right? Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to also say that it's not really an emergency brake anyways. Um, it's kind of, it should be called a parking brake to begin with. So you That's only true. really activate it when you're parking. So people that are concerned that, you know, what am I supposed to do if I'm on the highway and I need to apply the e-brake, uh, you know, to slow down, it doesn't really work that way because you're still applying physical brakes that, you know, have already failed for some reason. Right. Um, it's really a parking brake so that, you know, if you're parked on a hill, you can set the parking brake and curb the wheels and, and hopefully your car won't roll away or, you know, be gone mm-hmm. when you come back and, mm-hmm. you know, rolled into the person behind you. Um, a lot of people mistake emergency brake for parking brake. I just want to get that out there. It's one of my own little pet peeves, I guess. I call it the drift shifter. <laughs> <laughs> Not bad, Ben. But I can I can also see somebody thinking that, you know, if this thing accidentally applies itself as I'm in gear, it could be some problems. You know, even at slow speeds, this could cause a real issue. And how do you release an electronic emergency brake? I mean, that that's a good question. That I mean, is a good question. There's got to be a manual override somehow. I'm sure that it's in the manual somewhere. But um, a lot of people are going to be a little squeamish about having electronic brakes versus, you know, a manually operated brake. And while we're on the subject of manual operation, that brings us to the next big one, mm-hmm. right? Manual transmissions, that's right, and they're going away, which is, mm-hmm. you know, kind of what we hinted we at. We talked about that. Yeah, yeah, a little bit, I guess, but, you know, this is this goes with the 7, 8, 9-speed automatics, and, you know, is it is it cheaper, I guess, for a manufacturer to build just one transmission versus, you know, an automatic and manual? Of course it is. Yeah. So it's yeah. going to be, you know, cost saving for the the consumer, but also, you know, it's going to get you better fuel economy. It is going to shift, you know, right where it's supposed to. It's going to be a precision tool, I guess, an instrument in your car. It's going to it's going to do its job, you know, the way it should. And I I don't mean to gloss over this, Ben, mm-hmm. but we already talked about it a little bit, but as far as performance goes, you know, a lot of people say 
I would much rather drive a manual transmission than I shift. And I said it, you know, once before, but yeah. I think that, you know, if they, if they were to drive one of these newer transmissions with the paddle shifters and no clutch pedal, I think they would really like it. And a manual transmission will still exist. It'll just become increasingly niche. Yeah, I think so. Over, and, I mean, over decades. But the honest truth, and I mean, if you want to really get down to it, and I, and I'm one that loves driving a manual, a standard manual transmission. I, I still think that people would really probably fall in love with the way a, a paddle shifted vehicle with a modern transmission really works. Yeah. I, I really do. I think it feels, it feels great when you drive it one. It feels right. Yeah, it really does. It's strong. It's, it's fast. It's precise. It's everything that it should be. And there's a lot of times there's rev matching that goes along with that. Mm. Um, so it's, it's exactly what people really, really expect out of their car. They can get out of their car. Hey, what do you think is going to happen with those, uh, muscle cars though? Muscle cars. What do you mean? Well, apparently people have been, uh, paying a lot, paying through the nose for them. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of money. And I think everybody has seen this, right? Right. I mean, you've watched the, uh, the Meekum auctions or, you know, the, mm-hmm. uh, the auctions that happen out West, you know, on television. They're on, on for hours and hours at a time. And then they'll bring out a, you know, an old Camaro that's a, a survivor or whatever, you know, a vehicle that's been around a long time that hasn't been, you know, restored or anything like that. Garners like $200,000 at auction. Yeah. And you say, well, what? What the deuce is going on with this vehicle that <laughs> is, is $200,000? You know, I mean, it looks like something that, you know, they just drug out of the barn or something, you right. know, but, but some, for some reason that's worth, uh, 200,000, 150,000, whatever it is. So is it a bubble? I, I don't know what's going on with that, but I guess it is. I think it's a bubble. And it, you know, for a while it got extremely, extremely high and it's always, you know, it's whatever the market will pay. So mm. it's going to adjust, you know, it's going to come back down, I think. And I, I agree with the author here in saying that, you know, I think it's going to come way back down, which is bad news for somebody who bought a, a high dollar yeah. muscle car, yeah. you know, maybe even five, six years ago or whatever it was, mm. or even recently. I think it's going to self-adjust maybe this year. I don't know if this year is the year or not. Maybe another couple of years before it really comes around. I'd say within two. Maybe. People um, are pretty nostalgic about that stuff. That's true. I, uh, I'm i sorry, Scott. I skipped around down our list because I was excited about cheaper muscle cars. Ah, that's okay. But there's another type of car we should talk about. Um, anybody who lives in the United States, or maybe even if you visited, uh, next time you look around the street – you'll notice that a lot of police cars are Crown Victorias. Yeah, exactly. And uh, those are going away. Yep. I mean, we're not going to be seeing those anymore because, um, you know, a lot of times what happens with these cars is they're, you know, either they're commissioned for special op- special vehicles. Now, yeah. they, they're either a police car or a taxi, or sometimes they're a police car and then a taxi. You mm-hmm. know, so if someone buys them and creates a taxi out of them, they'll, they'll end up with 300,000, 500,000, 700,000 miles on the odometer before they're they're finally retired or junked. Or sold at auction, which I see a lot of um, old police vehicles that, that just citizens are driving. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at 
howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Right, you often see these at auctions because um, I think the the police departments usually have a pretty low number for retiring them, right? Yeah, they really do. And the thing is, like when they do come up for auction, they come up for auction in you know like five hundred dollars for a, for a car. Now it's a super high mile vehicle that has a lot of wear and tear on it. It's got like maybe three hundred thousands when they get rid of yeah, them. Yeah, but where are you going to get a great big luxury sedan? You know that has a, a V eight, very strong, and right. they're, they're strong engines. Typically, they're you know. A special package engine of some kind, like an interceptor engine or something like that. Now, some people buy them for 500 bucks. Some people buy them for less than that. Some people buy them for a little bit more than that. Mm -hmm. It depends on the condition, you know, the overall condition and the mileage and, you know, everything that goes into this. So whether it's been, um, you know, used as a taxi or used as a police vehicle. And these are just kind of going away. They're starting to dwindle because, um, you know, the number of Crown Vicks that, that police departments are using are being replaced by like Ford Explorers mm-hmm. or Dodge Chargers. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Caprice vehicles are something that, uh, mm-hmm. that people are starting to use as well. Now Caprice, they've used those for a long time, but yeah, those are, those are, yeah, the Ford Explorers, um, and the Chargers are more relatively recent. Yeah. I see a lot of Chargers. I see a whole lot of Chargers. Yeah. So too. we'll see a lot of, uh, a lot of Charger police vehicles up for auction pretty soon, but, uh, you know, maybe after a couple of years, once they're, they're decommissioned. You want a laundry list these last few? Yeah, I think I've only got really maybe one or two more. How about that? Oh, yeah, I guess I've got a couple. Yeah. Um, uh, toy- oh, new Toyota off-roaders are going to be going away. They're saying that what this means is that the FJ, mm-hmm. which um, you know I think a lot of people are familiar with the FJ, is, is yeah. going to be discontinued. You know, I don't know if it's in 2014 or if it's going to be in 2015 when they're going to stop building that, but they call it kind of like the end of an era for Toyota with off-road vehicles. Now, they still have the 4Runner, um, which – Left for now, maybe. I mean, it may be kind of the end of the off-road era for Toyota. Just the genre in general. Yeah, I think so. So I mean, Forerunner as well. Yeah, yeah, I think the Forerunner is going to be going away pretty soon as well. Now, Um, boy, it's kind of strange to think about it because the FJ Cruiser—that's a relatively recent vehicle. Yeah, and I think a lot of people bought. I mean, I see them all over the place. I see a lot of people use Mm -hmm. them for supposedly Ben. Now we see them in Atlanta, supposedly off-road use. Uh, you know, they've got the Nerf bars that, you know, come out between yeah. the wheels and they've got the full roof rack and everything. And they look like 
their off-road vehicles. But yeah, but if I see you, I see you slowing down for a speed bump in one of those. <laughs> you're on. You're on my list. There's a there's a good point. That's a good point. I guess there's a uh, um, probably a low percentage of those things that actually see off-road use, but at least in our city, end of an era. Uh, this is one. This next one is a little bit different because it's presented as the end of something, but what it really is is a growing trend. Mm-hmm. Uh, the author calls it, or the journalist calls it, the end of friendly skies. But what he's actually talking about is going to be the increased use of drones by law enforcement. Ah, this is interesting because yeah. all this time we've talked about drones, for some reason this has never been something that I thought about. Uh, using a drone to catch speeders. Easy peasy. I guess it would be, and yeah. I really hadn't thought about this. You know, we talk about um, red light cameras, and we mm-hmm. talk about speed traps, and we talk about, you know, the cameras that are mounted at the entrances to towns, yep. you know, on main roads or whatever. Um, of course, speed traps. Sudden changes in speed uh, limits. Even even helicopter police, you know, or in airplanes that uh, sure. that that clock, you know, cars by markings on the roads. You, you know, know so what that, I've heard him called before. What's that? Ghetto birds. Oh, really? No kidding. I didn't. One of my friends who is a who is a police officer called it a bird. He's like, you know, the ghetto bird. No kidding. And and I said, what do you mean? And he was talking about a helicopter. It took me a while to figure it out. Really? That's interesting. I right. don't know so, if it's just his nickname. Well, so these drones, I guess, though, can be used to catch speeders and yeah. cr- and criminals, which makes sense because, you know, we've, we've heard about them in the news recently, being able to track individuals. And it could make it much safer in a chase situation, too. That, that was my thing, is that I thought that if... Uh, you know, they, they can kind of track these, these guys, you know, find out where they are. They think, they feel like they're no longer being watched because they can't see a drone in the air. Right. Um, so they feel like they're no longer being watched. They're going to just take it easy. They're not going to be speeding through school zones or hospital mm-hmm. zones or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, busy downtown traffic, you know, as we often see on the, on the news and ends usually poorly. Tragically, yeah. Yeah. Usually there's a, there's something that goes along with that. You know, some accidents, you know, either people are involved or vehicles or property. Sure. But uh, hopefully that will kind of go away with some of this. But, man, that's kind of a scary thought of uh, drones catching you for speeding. Ooh, we live in the future, my friends. Yeah, I think so. Another thing, and this one was one of the most interesting to me. I have to ask, what do you think about ethanol? What do you think about mm. corn-based ethanol? Well, you remember uh, just, just a few years ago, maybe, when uh, there was a huge push for ethanol as the way of the future. That was right. going to be the, the newest thing, remember? The flex fuel. Yeah, and there was a lot of talk about, man, should we be growing fuel for, or should we be growing corn for fuel, or should we be growing corn for food? Mm-hmm. And that was a huge debate, and there was a lot of other debates that went along with that, and federal funding and all of that that goes right, along right, with it, yeah. right? Now, I guess the support for ethanol is fading. It's starting to it's starting to go away, and there's a lot of reasons for that. Now we talked about uh, fuel line, you know, issues like some of the components that would be just rotted away by ethanol, right? And yeah. how if you do run, you know, high ethanol in certain cars, you need to change some of the components in order to make them last, mm-hmm. you know, longer than a year or two, even in some cases, uh, as they'd be decayed and things like that. Um, the the effects that ethanol has on performance in some cases, not all cases, because sure. other cases, you know, you can run full ethanol and and have outstanding performance. And you know, yeah, but high performance vehicles also have high sensitivity to stuff like that. Exactly, and the car has to be set up for that. Now yep. you can you can see that you know like what the Indy cars run on on full ethanol or whatever, and right. that's, that's a a great you know bumper sticker for them or a, you know billboard for them. However, you know in your 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 car, my car. You know, you put in something with a high ethanol content, it's going to going to you know, damage the performance. It's going to damage the components. It's, you're going to suffer in some way. Right. Like we can use our cars can both use a blend with ethanol that contains ethanol, um, but uh, that 
doesn't really, what we found is that it doesn't really have significant savings to the consumer, which mm-hmm. was part of it. And it doesn't, as far as environmental effectiveness, although that sounds like a nice thing to say, there's some serious questions. One, one reason that ethanol is not, hasn't been working in the United States, like it works great in Brazil. Cars run off ethanol all day in Brazil, but that's because their ethanol is made from sugar cane. The stuff that we're making from corn is um, just the the process is not as efficient. Yeah, and you mentioned you know that we do run on a blend already, but there's a point of uh, I mean maybe this is not the right way to say it, but the point of diminishing returns is that yeah, it? I think it's in exactly that you know it. if the blend gets to be too much in one way, you know the mixture is a little bit too yeah. rich, too thin. Uh, then the vehicle, the performance begins to suffer, your mileage begins to suffer, your range begins to mm-hmm. suffer. Um, so, you know, it's not all that everybody has made it out to be, you know, in a lot of cases, you'll see somebody cover it with, uh, you know, rose-colored glasses and <laughs> say, yeah. this is the way of the future. But, you know, there's certain parameters that have to be met prior to that in order to be able to use it effectively. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh, great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Speaking of fantastic segues, let's jump right into opinions. We're finally here. I'll tell you one thing, Scott. That point that people make about 
um, corn for food or corn for fuel is a little bit sensationalized, although I think the intentions are good. One problem that I do have with that is that a lot of people who wave that flag uh, haven't done the research to note that before before ethanol even happened, the majority of corn grown in the United States was not grown for human consumption. Exactly. Yeah, it was for uh, for cattle. Uh, sure. You know, for, for livestock feed. Uh, for um for non food applications in general, like yeah. you can use it to make um different plastics. Oddly, enough. yeah, sure for manufacturing mm-hmm. in a lot of cases. So there's a, there's a lot of different uses for that for that product. You're right, and uh, you know the, some of the arguments were false in the, in the way that they were brought up. And also, ethanol was always supposed to be advertised as or sold, marketed, whatever, as a um, stopgap measure. There was supposed to be something better that came along that replaced ethanol. And, and so that's kind of what's happening, maybe, yeah. is that we're finding other technologies mm-hmm. to replace what we used as that, as that stopgap, as you mentioned, because, you know, it has been four or five years now since that huge push. So maybe it did a job. What, yeah, uh, what are, what are your trends? I want to see the stuff Scott sees in 2014. All right. Well, how about we do it this way? I'll tell you the, uh, the kind of main topic or the main title okay. of it, and then I'll just laundry list them and you stop me if you want to, or you can add to it, or you can, uh, add on your own list at the end. How about or I can that? disagree. Yeah, exactly. You can disagree. <laughs> Disagree or, or agree? All right. New trends that I see on the way. Um, no rearview mirrors. I think that rearview mirrors are going to be replaced by cameras because we're seeing it a lot in a lot of different vehicles. High end, right at this point, but I think it's going to happen. That has to go with uh, that goes along with mileage too, uh, as far as aerodynamics. Things a- like that. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Um, no CD players. Oh, we already mentioned that. Okay, so that's old tech now at this point, which is strange to say. Um, oh man, you know what, Ben? A lot of these have already talked about. Mm-hmm. You know what? I'm just going to leave it at that because there's uh, the other ones we've already talked about. So that's I'm um, going to leave it at the rearview mirrors because in CD players, we talked about handbrakes, we talked about transmissions, all the stuff that was on my list I ended up finding in other articles. <laughs> Wait, so, what? Okay, but that's you got more, though. No, I've got a lot more. All right, so things that I'm seeing a lot of right now that I think are possible trends that may come about. How about okay. that? Yeah. Um, and these are oddball little things, not overall encompassing things like, you know, affordable luxury or fuel cells or anything like that. Okay. These are small things. Um how about those glow rings on headlamps? And I'm not talking about like BMW oh, or any of that. Oh, yeah. But I'm talking about like the Jeep Wrangler has these glow rings uh-huh. that have, you know, multicolor changing, you know, LED displays, I guess. Right, yeah. And uh, I'm seeing a lot of that on vehicles. And it's not just them. I've seen it on some Dodge Chargers recently. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing it on oh, char- uh, Challengers, rather. Um, anything right now that has a round headlight, I'm seeing these glow rings on with, with multicolor displays. You know, it could be red. Which has a kind of sinister look at night. <laughs> yeah, um, it could be green, cool. could be blue, you know, yellow, mm-hmm. whatever color. Um, oh, here's the thing. Uh, it's kind of an odd one as well. It's, it has to do with vehicle color, but multi, um, misty colored hybrid vehicles. Now I say misty in that I mean like, think about like a misty color blue or misty color green or misty color oh, orange. Oh, yeah, I see red. what you're saying. It seems like all the hybrids, you know, from Nissan, Toyota, Honda. Have a more subdued color. Exactly. And I don't oh. know what that is. It has to do with like the, the eco-conscious thing that they're, they're trying to go with or what? Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know what the deal is with that, but a lot of them have that misty color, which is a little weird to me. Yeah. Um, just a, something I'm noticing. Uh, hot rods that are bagged. Now, bagged hot rods I'm talking about, and this is a, a th- something that's been going on for a long time, really, but, I'm seeing a lot more of these at the shows that I go to mm-hmm. um, that, you know, when they park the car, the car lowers down all the way to the ground so that it actually sits on the ground. Yeah. And there's no way it's going to drive like that. It's going to have to be raised up. So they do that. And I know the bagging has been around for a long time, but I'm wondering, I'm just wondering, are we going to start to see that creep into other vehicles? Are we going to start to see cars that oh. have suspensions that adapt a little bit more like that? Now, I know we've had some in the past that lower at speed. Yeah. But what about like, you know, 
other types of vehicles, like let's say my car, my uh, Honda Civic. Uh-huh. I mean, just for example, like you get the SI version, it's kind of a sporty version. Let's say you want to have like an extra feature that it's bagged and mm. you'll be able to do something okay. like that. So you don't always have to have that, you know, that I guess they call it slammed appearance, right. you know, where it's way down low. You can bring it up if you need more clearance when you need it because that's exactly what a bag system does for hot rods. That would be cool. So I'm wondering. I just I wondered. mean, I think that's a useful system, too. All right. And then also LED headlamps, which we're seeing a lot of everywhere. And I don't just mean headlamps. I mean the uh, the turning lights. LEDs the, in general. I think the parking lights are the big thing I see. Uh, the kind that, you know, you'll see white lights, and then when they turn on the turn signal, it becomes yellow. Um, yeah. So that it indicates they're turning. Um, I see a lot of that, and it's not just... Not just, um, you know, the high-end vehicles now. It seems mm-hmm. like some of the, it's trickling down into the lower vehicles. Yeah, LEDs, LED lights are going to be the future. As a matter of fact, um, if you want to make a lot of money in like 10 years, uh, start saving up on uh, the old school headlights now because you're going to be able to make make bank off selling those. Probably, yeah. It'll become a, a wanted commodity at that point. Right, yeah. All right, now how about this? How about some trends that uh, I've seen that have kind of gone away maybe they've uh, been around the last couple of years and they're going away already okay all right and if you have any to add to this please tell me okay yeah all right how about um fake rag tops i was just looking at a car that uh, had a fake rag top but it seemed to be one that fit it was an old um it was an old hearse yeah you were talking about this right as we were going in to record i was now i was looking at landau tops on hearses which mm-hmm. is an odd thing to look up i guess but you know something i do during the day it's mm-hmm. research all right so i was looking up cars as funny as it sounds that have these fake rag tops and hearses came up, of course, with these Landau tops. And I was looking at the history yeah. of Landau tops. And, you know, it goes back to the horse and carriage days, mm-hmm. you know, the functional tops. Uh, but what I was looking at mostly, I guess, and then I got sidetracked by the hearse thing, was um, cars that had fake rag tops that, you know, somebody has taken, you know, either there's vinyl on it or whatever. But they make it look like it's a convertible when it's really not a convertible. Yeah, we talked about this right as we were going in. And we haven't seen a lot of those recently. I don't think no. a lot of people do that much anymore. It used it to be a big, big trend. Kind of go in the way of Woody's. It kind of is. Yeah, and that's another good one, Ben. Yeah. Uh, you know, wood grain, wood grain vehicles. Now, I know there's some some throwback vehicles that will have something like that or people that are adding it. And eh. I kind of like the look on yeah. some vehicles. I do the, like the look a lot. On I, a wagon. I like it on a wagon. <laughs> some of the bigger SUVs even have kind of a cool look with it, but... Some not so good. Um, I have I have one that I would like to add that I think will apply directly to our listeners who live in a suburban or urban environment. Okay, what's that? The death of parking spaces. Oh, good one. Especially in cities. Now, I've noticed this because as city planners, even people who are generally against public transit, as they start to plan to be larger cities or deal with growing populations, because more and more people are moving in cities, um, what we're also starting to see is that cities in the United States are beginning to copy what I would call the European model. So in some in some places, like in the Netherlands, you can see that um, driving is sort of de-incentivized by a lack of parking spaces and a growth of other, you know, like bikes or uh, buses or public transit of some sort. And what I'm seeing is that um, cities in the United States are starting to do this. Now, I don't know if it's a calculated thing or if it's a free market thing, but I do know that what we will see in uh, in the next few years, especially in places like New York and, I don't know, Chicago as well, uh, we're going to see that the car culture is gradually getting 
challenged inside the city limits. Sure. So instead of allowing for one or two parking spaces per unit in the in the uh, in the apartment complex, say, there's just one. There's one, or maybe not even that many. Maybe they'll have um, enough spaces for seventy five percent of that entire yeah. building mm-hmm. and the other 25 percent if they have a vehicle which a lot of them don't right. um you know, which is good i guess for the ones that do um you know those will become very valuable spaces then the ones that are left right right and the price for a parking space in manhattan for instance or in in parts of boston is already extravagant i think when we did our most expensive parking space episode it was in boston yeah i think you're right and i mean it's not unheard of to hear people pay six eight hundred dollars per you know per parking spot per month in order to be able to park in the city close to their home or their residence wherever that is you know an apartment or condo or whatever mm-hmm. in the city so um yeah i can see that happening ben and my other the hand in hand with that my mm-hmm. prediction for something that we will see not maybe not really big this year but in the future i think we're going to see more rail i don't know light or heavy rail but mm-hmm. i think i think that there is at least in the us I think there's political pressure behind regional rail. Definitely. Is it a good idea? Well, I think that depends on where you decide to lay the tracks. Yeah. Yeah. We've, well, we've had big rail discussions many, many times yeah. on this program. Mm-hmm. So there's some, uh, some good background on that. There's entire shows on that that you can, uh, you can find out our opinions about uh, the whole thing. And yeah. I'll tell you, it's not all that favorable, really, if you want a, a hint at where we, uh, where we lean on that one. Well, I mean, if we're being objective, it's not that favorable well, anyway. Exactly, exactly. Anyway, so, sorry. All right, so how about this? Yeah. We're, we're on a pretty long here. We're getting to the end of the show. Let me just quickly go through my list and, uh, and see what the listeners think. Okay. All right. Um, fake air intakes, things like gill, you know, like gills on the sides or scoops or break inlets, things like that that, <laughs> that don't do anything. You know, the right. ones that are fake. Pure um, how about those giant rear wings? The ones that are completely non-functional. And now if they're functional, that's something different. I, yeah. I understand that. But the ones that are completely non-functional may come off in the car wash. That kind of uh, ruin. Yeah. Those are kind of silly. It's trashy. What about those, I'll call them pump, pumpkin shooter exhaust, uh, you know, exhaust, <laughs> you know, the, the the pipes, you know, the ones that are yeah. that are six inches at the back end of the car, the outlet. That right. seems kind of silly. And it also seems like it's going away. It seems like they're going back to the smaller ones. Now, they're still tuned exhaust and there's still that sound that comes out of them. You know that you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, right? it's just the appearance is changing. Yeah, the angry bees sound. You know mm-hmm. that that kind of the chainsaw sound or what whatever you want to call it. Uh, but it it I think that the giant um, outlets are going away. Um, also, what about wheels and tires? Um, you know the the what about the kind that the, I hadn't thought about these for years. The kind that used to start outside of the body of the car. You haven't seen those. Oh in a long, yeah, yeah, yeah. You haven't seen those in a long time, have you? They were always spoke rims. They were uh-huh. always small, like I mean, like twelve or thirteen inch wheels, mm-hmm. and they started outside of the car. It gave the car such a weird appearance, almost like a um, like a sprint car appearance. You know, like the uh, the kind that uh, you know you see on a dirt track somewhere. Yeah, we're gonna we're not gonna see those except on like art cars now. Those are so strange. They were a weird thing, and it, and it was only around for a few years. Um, oh, spinner rims. We haven't seen spinner rims for a while here, and we're in Atlanta. You think that you'd see a lot of these, and we did at one time. But you know the kind that continue to spin when you park oh, or I know. when you stop. Oh, I know. I'd say it's been a year since I've seen a set of those, which is kind of strange. You know what's also slowing down is the uh, is the dub race for the size of your rims. Yeah, I think it is slowing down because it used to it got bigger and bigger and bigger in one way though. Because I'm going to talk about one that I want to go away that isn't. But um, uh, what about? Um, Tow hook trinkets. You know, we've talked about those oh, before. Yeah, you know, the yeah, yeah. little animals hanging from tow hooks. I don't know if a lot of people have seen those, but I've seen a ton of them. Yeah. Uh, Plastidip cars. I'm going to say the overall car being dipped in plastic, you know, the spray on yeah, plastidip yeah, yeah. stuff. 
I just haven't seen those as much. In Atlanta, we saw them often for a, a good, I don't know, maybe a good year and a half. Yeah, I would and, say about two years. Yeah, maybe two years, a year and a half, something like that. And and then they just completely went away. I've seen one maybe in the last six months. Maybe the plastic dip shop closed. Uh, <laughs> maybe that's it. <laughs> yeah, but it's supposed to be a do-it-yourself thing. I know. All right. Um, I'm going to say stance cars only in that. I see a lot of them still, but I think that kind of that trend may be going away. I'm not sure exactly why I think it's going to go away, and I think they do look kind of cool in some cases. Mm. But the ones that I think are, are going to completely go away are the ones where the wheels are almost on the inner edge of the wheel, like so they only oh, yeah, yeah. They only rest on maybe like an inch or two of the inside edge of the wheel. You've seen what I'm talking yeah, about, yeah? Right? I know what you're talking about. Extreme camber, I guess, is what mm-hmm. you call it, and um, it looks so odd going down the road, but. The stance cars, the ones that are lowered and have wide tires and they sit flat, I think that looks good. I like that look. It's cool. I think the other ones that are just completely angled out at the bottom are so weird looking. I mean, yeah. I, I understand the purpose behind it, but it's a race car purpose, not a street car purpose. Right, yeah. Um, also, oh, here's something. Debadging cars. You remember when people would completely debadge the back of their car? Yes. You wouldn't, you wouldn't see any markings yep. on it at all? I haven't seen that in a long time. Like mm. where completely every emblem comes off the vehicle for whatever reason. You can't tell what type of what make it is. I kind of so, have a bias against those. Yeah. Sometimes when I see them, I suspect that they're criminals. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> Maybe. It doesn't make sense. Their license plate is still on there. I guess. It's a nice, clean look. I get it. Yeah, but, but I'm driving by, and I'm like, I know that's a Dodge. Well, sure, you know you know what it is. I know, <laughs> but but why take all the emblems off the car? It's a, such a strange it's, thing. It's an aesthetic. Okay, what about undercar neon? You know those neon packages that everybody uh, put under there? Yeah, I'm glad it's gone. I haven't seen that in a long time. I thought it was I thought it was cool for a second, then I got tired of it. What about car bras? Remember? Remember the uh, those big <laughs> those big leather? I know it's yeah. funny to say, but those big leather pieces that would people would put on the front of the yeah, vehicle? stop insects from the grill and it, stuff. It seems like those have completely gone away. I don't see any of those anymore. I only see them on older sports cars now. You know, cars where the guy uh, probably keeps it in the garage for most of the month. That's probably true. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. And you know, I think there was some problem with them scuffing underneath and causing moisture and mold and things like yeah, that. So yeah. There were issues with those as well. All right. Man, should I even com- you know complete my list here or not? Because there's some that there's one short list that I could I could include here. Things that I wish would go away. And, <laughs> okay, um, just read them. I won't make any comments. All right, let's do that. Oh, I want to hear this. This is a long one. Okay. Number one. This is a big one. Donk cars. Now everybody probably knows what I'm talking about. If you don't, search it. It's called. It's spelled D O N K. Cars. Donk cars. And I'll just leave it at that. I'll say I wish that trend would go away. And there's a lot of reasons, but. Anyways, we'll talk about that maybe on another another complete show. How about that? All right, flat black on everything except for older hot rods and maybe some motorcycles. Um, I wish that flat black would go away on like you know your average everyday sedan type cars okay. and, and luxury cars and things like that that I see it on. Um, I like it on hot rods, you know, some of the older ones. I like it on some older bikes, you know, some some of those really do fit that appearance. But I think that on everything it looks kind of silly. What about limos? Uh, limos, no. Okay, no. Lambo doors on anything except for real Lambos, of course, because <laughs> I've seen a lot of those around town yeah. as well. You know, I parked at a gas station and, you know, the, the Honda Accord pulls it next to you, you uh-huh. know, and, and the, the doors fold up like Lambo doors. It's a little weird looking. I've seen it on big pickup trucks, mm-hmm. which is even stranger. Um, I don't know. It just seems like a funny trend to me. Um, how about gold, um, gold and chrome car wraps? Remember the ones that are metallic? Yeah, I'm done with those. I'm completely Ooh. done with that as well. You see celebrities with that type of stuff, but it looks like a chrome colored car. I've seen it done well in some cases, but man, it, it's such a weird trend. I don't. But if I, it's done, how I, well can it actually be done? I, Whatever. I I'm guess. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. How about um? Oh, 
headlamp eyelashes and, and car mustaches. Have you I seen hate those? That. Yeah, I know those. What was that sound you made? I made a fart noise. <laughs> what and is in that? my head, it yeah. was a, Oh, it's a, a thumbs down noise. Yeah. Oh, I see. Okay, because the, uh, yeah, honestly, those car mustaches, I've seen more of those than I probably should have. It's your car. Have fun. Exactly. I just, it's not my job to like car it. Car antlers in December? I wish those would go away. I, I know that's a grumpy old man thing to say, but in December, I, I just know that around, you know, after Thanksgiving or even before Thanksgiving, the car antlers come out. It's very get off my lawn. Red nose on the, uh, on the front of the car. <laughs> I know it is. I'm sorry. Um, stick family decals for windows. Uh, you know, these, yeah. uh, those are driving me crazy. Also, this is the biggest one and maybe the, the end. Um, okay. Vanity plates. And you and I might have a little argument about this because I think you kind of like vanity plates. I like some vanity okay. plates. I wish all vanity plates would go away. I just find them mind-boggling. The money know. can go to a good cause, though. Mind-numbing, I guess, maybe okay. is a better way to say it. Yeah, like the money can go to a good cause. You're right. But I just, I don't know. It's just something I just I just can't stand vanity plates. Yeah. I never have been able to. I What I don't like is when they're, they've gone so far out of their way to try to make a message that you don't realize it's a vanity plate. Like, I am one, are you? Oh, two, which is a 30 rock joke. But yeah, man, um, I see that. And we talked about how ridiculous it is that there are some people, I can't remember which Middle Eastern country who paid millions of dollars for a couple of particularly lucky vanity plates mm-hmm. happen in China. And I think in the U S as well. Sure. Um, well, we're going to go ahead and wrap up our episode on car trends of 2014. And we want to hear from you. What do we miss? What uh, do you think is definitely going to go away or definitely going to ascend to prominence here during the years? Can I tell you something? Ben? Yeah. I didn't even get to the ones that are long gone, like the ones that, you know, were gone decades ago that we don't see and maybe we'll come back. So maybe there's a whole. Oh, yeah. We talked about that. that. Yeah. Man, I, there are so many. We've gone through hundreds of things here <laughs> and hopefully our listeners can add, you know, a hundred more things because, uh-huh. uh, you know, they've got their own set of trends in their own part of the world. And that's what's interesting about this is we're just giving you the. I guess downtown Atlanta perspective, really. Right. And that's really just your opinion and my opinion mm-hmm. of what's happening in downtown Atlanta. There's, you know, 1,000 other opinions out there that, you know, from Atlanta that, that could have a completely different list. That's the interesting right. thing about car trends. You can come up with a lot of different things for this one. And if you are, if you are offended that, um, we're not going to like your BMW i3 with antlers, a pink mustache and neon on the bottom. Don't get mad, man. It's just some people's opinions, yeah, and it is your car. Exactly, yes. Yeah. So you can do with it what you want, and mm-hmm. all these, you know, these are just kind of meant in, in good fun. And uh, when I say things that I want to go away, like these donk cars that we're going to cover. <laughs> in an upcoming Yeah, show. I'll tell you exactly why I want them done. Um, and let us know what you think. Uh, talk to us on Facebook and Twitter. Visit CarStuffShow.com, where we have videos, blogs, and all of our podcasts. You can also send us an email about ridiculous car trends in your town. Our address is... CarStuffDiscovery.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.
Viking. Committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, cultural enrichment, and all-inclusive fares. Discover more at viking.com. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.